The comments and views expressed on The More Show are those of the people that make them and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kevin Moore, The More Show, or this radio station and its affiliates or sponsors. Hello and welcome to another edition of The More Show, which is sponsored by the UFO Matrix magazine. On today's show, I'm about to be joined by my guest, Richard Gage. Now, Richard is the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. He has been a practicing architect for 20 years and has worked on most types of building construction, including numerous fireproof steel frame buildings. According to the official explanation of 9-11, the collapse of the towers was caused by fires burning on the upper floors. Yet Richard points out that other high-rise buildings with hotter and longer fires have never collapsed in this manner. Richard C. Gage, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here with you today. So, Richard, just to begin with, um, just tell the audience a bit about yourself. Well, I'm an architect, 23 years now, and uh, I've worked on lots of different types of buildings, including commercial and, and institutional, uh, high, a lot of high schools. Um, I most recently worked on a, a $400 million project, which was six malls uh, in a row outside, uh, high-end malls, with uh, over 1,200 tons of steel framing uh, in uh, Las Vegas. I uh, began uh, my study into the World Trade Center uh, collapses, if you will, um, about four years ago when I heard David Ray Griffin on the radio, who was talking about the evidence of explosions and explosives uh, that were experienced by over 100 first responders <clears throat> and recorded uh, early on after September, but the public knew nothing about this uh, until August of 2005 when uh, the city was forced to turn over these audio recordings um, and uh, by, by the... Uh, a lawsuit from the New York Times. So uh, this, this was a fascinating uh, journey for me, uh, straight up into alternative theories as to how these towers came down uh, four years ago. Uh, I checked it out. I learned that uh, this was not only uh, 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 believable, actually, but it turned out to be true. Um, so I launched an effort to educate the 15 architects that I was working with at the time, all of whom thought I was nuts, uh, each of them, uh, after this lunchtime presentation that I gave them, agreed with me afterwards and signed our petition uh, calling for a new investigation. Uh, and uh, that's been like that ever since. Almost every architect and engineer we bring this information to uh, ends up agreeing with us reluctantly usually, and, um, and, and we have now 1,400 architects and engineers uh, demanding a new investigation as the result of the evidence for the explosive demolition of not just the two towers, but the third uh, skyscraper as well, uh, World Trade Center Building 7, which is a, a fascinating mystery. So, Richard, in your opinion then, what happened on 9-11 when uh, 3,000 people lost their lives? Well, uh, in the case of the Twin Towers, uh, where so many people did die, we are told that the, uh, the towers collapsed by structural weakening due to the jet fuel and plane impacts uh, collapsing all the way down to the ground. Uh, the problem is that uh, 
what we, we don't see a gravitational collapse. Um, what we see is something very different. Uh, uh, with uh, the first, in the first four seconds, for instance, in the case of the North Tower, the upper 12 stories, we're told, drove the rest of the building down due to its massive weight. But that's not what we see at all in the videos. We see that's, that section, that block of building, uh, being self-consumed in, in a series of explosions, like the first responders described, bands of explosions all the way around the building, pop, 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 uh, with, along with flashes of light, which uh, many of them uh, saw throughout the building. This upper section is built basically a mini classic controlled demolition. It implodes on itself. It telescopes down such that in the first four seconds it is completely gone. There's nothing left to drive the rest of the building down uh, to the ground. What happens after that is an incredible series of explosions, uh, once again, wrapping all the way around the building like a belt. And these explosions produce these upward, outward arching streamers, a geometry almost of fireworks, um, uh, with uh, thick pyroclastic-like clouds due to the intense hot gases uh, from what can only be uh, the explosives. In the case of the South Tower, those fires were just about out, so the, the, the heat is not there from these fires. We have explosive ejections below this zone of destruction as it travels down the, the, the face of the, all four faces of the building in just about a dozen seconds. This whole building is destroyed and completely dismembered. Uh, pulverized. We see these isolated explosive ejections occurring at 160 to 200 feet per second. These are propelled by explosive speeds, uh, not, uh, and they're not puffs of air. They're pul pulverized building materials, and they occur in what is obviously an engineered pattern, uh, uh, most of them at the center uh, of the face of, of the building. Uh, down at the bottom of the pile, we don't see 110 floors stacked up in any kind of manner. Um, these, these floors, which are composed of four-inch thick concrete over metal decking, are completely pulverized. 90,000 tons of concrete is pulverized in midair to the particle size of, of talcum powder, almost. And this is spread over the three-mile square area outside the, the uh, World Trade Center uh, boundaries. Up to 30% of this dust is, in fact, documented as being concrete. Uh, so we would expect in a pancaking collapse to find, you know, a series of floors down at the bottom, but the photos and videos don't show that. Uh, they, they show only a two-story pile of core columns, perimeter columns, and so forth. What, what is also found at the, uh, underneath these, uh, these piles uh, in all three buildings, and we'll get to World Trade Center building number seven in a moment, we find, uh, well, the first responders and the structural engineers and the cleanup workers, are dozens of them are on record as seeing uh, molten metal. Uh, the, the firemen described it as flowing like lava from a volcano, uh, th uh, thick pools of flowing molten metal. They call it molten steel. Tests determine, it, determine that it is actually molten iron. Uh, molten iron, while being a component of structural steel, is, is, uh, it, this is pure elemental iron. It is not melted steel. Uh, so uh, what could it be? Well, it has the evidence in it of 
thermate, uh, an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. Thermate is composed of iron oxide and aluminum powders, um, and uh, with sulfur added, it lowers the melting point of steel. So Dr. Stephen Jones and others have, have documented uh, these, uh, these, these uh, chemicals, uh, elements, in the molten metal samples that have been sent to them and in the slag from the ends of the beams. And even FEMA, in their original report that came out in May of 2002, had an Appendix C, which uh, documents the melting of these girders from World Trade Center 7 and the Twin Towers, uh, look, they look like Swiss cheese. Well, the problem is that fires, office fires, can't get hot enough to melt steel. They're only half the temperature at 1,500 degrees, plus or minus, even the hottest fires. But steel doesn't melt until about 3,000 degrees. It doesn't start flowing. So what could possibly produce that? Well, you know, thermite issues as its byproduct liquid molten iron. Yeah. At forty at forty five hundred degrees, so this is the uh, only rational explanation for all this evidence of molten uh, iron underneath all three of these buildings, and in the World Trade Center dust that we just described, blanketed Lower Manhattan four to twelve inches thick, they also find uh, USGS and other official sources and environmental firms like R. J. Lee. They find uh, billions of iron microspheres. They're previously molten iron microspheres, uh, the size, most of them, of the diameter of a human hair. Up to 6% of the dust uh, uh, throughout the World Trade Center is uh, composed of these spheres. Um, where do they come from? Well, if there were thousands of cutter charges laced throughout the columns and beams in the building, and under explosive conditions, the byproduct of the thermite uh, would be uh, liquid molten iron, and it would be dispersed or atomized. Uh, and as it's atomized, uh, being a liquid, it would form itself into spheres and fall and co- as it's cooling with all the rest of the dust. This is the only rational explanation for all of these uh, billions of, of, of these previously molten iron microspheres found in the dust. And the problem also is that in this, the, this dust, a uh, team of international scientists led by Niels Herrett from Denmark found in every one of the samples that they had collected these small red-gray chips. They're not paint. Uh, they come up to a magnet. Uh, they substantially iron, and the largest ones are about a sixteenth of an inch. They're red on one side, gray on the other. When you do a chemical analysis, when they did, yeah, they found that these are composed of extremely small particles of iron oxide and aluminum powder, so small that they're a thousand times smaller than the human hair. This is nanotechnology, and they're intimately mixed in the proportion, one quarter to three quarters, that makes up thermite. And they're set in this organic bed, uh, this matrix of uh, silica and carbon. Uh, This is called nanothermite composite explosives. It's it's an incendiary which is engineered to become an explosive. It's documented by Lawrence Livermore Lab. 
uh, well before 2001. And uh, this is very sophisticated material made only in the most advanced defense contracting laboratories. It has no business being in in all the World Trade Center dust samples. And we want a real investigation, the 1,400 architects and engineers, and an acknowledgement by NIST of this, these materials uh, found in the dust. And this is all documented in a 24-page peer-reviewed paper in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal. It's direct evidence of explosive destruction of the World Trade Center towers in and of itself, in addition to the documentary evidence of the molten iron microspheres, because, by the way, when these small chips are ignited in a differential scanning calorimeter, which is a fancy word for a heater, at about 900 degrees they blow up. They're energetic materials, in other words. When they ignite or blow up, uh, they produce what? Liquid molten iron microspheres that have the same chemical evidence as what? The liquid molten iron microspheres found in all the World Trade Center dust. This is direct evidence that the spheres came from the chips. Uh, They're intimately tied together. And along with the behavior of these buildings with extreme explosiveness, uh, whereby four-ton perimeter wall units are hurled laterally, instantly, 70 to 80 miles an hour with lateral speed out the side of the Twin Towers, landing up to 600 feet away. Uh, Incredible explosive energy required to accomplish this. This behavior and the symmetry of these uh, buildings as they came straight down through the path of what was the greatest resistance, the thousands of tons, 80,000 tons of structural steel in these buildings below the point of jet plane impacts. Uh, That was, in the case of the perimeter columns, up to 20 times stronger than it needed to be to resist any kind of a collapse. Uh, it, it, uh, It makes no sense. All of this evidence ties together to support the hypothesis of explosive controlled demolition, and none of it supports the hypothesis of uh, destruction by office fires and jet plane impacts. And in fact, uh, NIST never even seriously considered the hypothesis of explosive demolition, even though all of the evidence supports it, and none of it supports their own conclusion, which is uh, that fires and jet plane impacts brought these buildings down. Okay, well, we'll come back to the debris in a bit, but uh, just for now, explain structurally how Towers 1 and 2 were constructed. Yes, um, it, it was uh, uh, built with the core columns grouped around the elevator shafts, 47 massive core columns, uh, 52 inches by 22 inches at the base, almost solid steel, and then thinning uh, as you get to the top, uh, the top portion being the, the lightest portion. It would be like uh, uh, the, t- the top portion, if it were to destroy, the bottom portion would be like a, a Volkswagen bus destroying a Mack truck. It just uh, could never happen, and we already discussed how the videos show that the top portion is just destroyed itself in the first four seconds, so there's nothing left to drive the rest of the building down at any speed, and yet it goes at nearly free-fall acceleration, almost as fast as the debris falling off the side of the towers. That's how fast 
these explosions are seen rapidly advancing down all four sides symmetrically of the building all the way down to, to the ground. This is all seen, by the way, in our DVD, which is called 9-11 Blueprint for Truth. And that can be seen on our website, which is ae911truth.org. That stands for Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. So ae911truth.org. And the perimeter columns are are even stronger than the core columns because all of the uh, the the forces um, that happen in an in, in, a, in a hurricane, uh, say 140 mile an hour wind, uh, are, those forces are resisted by the perimeter structure in this Verandil truss with perpendicular elements that are welded and bolted to each other. They had to be so strong so as to uh, resist this wind that that made them 20 times stronger than they needed to be to resist the vertical forces, the gravity loads. Um, so there should have been no collapsing whatsoever. And if there was going to be a collapse uh, due to this massive 12-story uh, section in the case of the North Tower, uh, it would have produced a, a jolt. It would have, you know, when, 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 if there was any impact due to the failure of columns, it would have slowed down. It would have halted, twisted, turned, groaned, um, and, and if it was going to fall, it would fall to the path of least resistance. It would fall over asymmetrically off the side of the building eventually. But we don't even have a slowing down of this upper section. It proceeds suddenly, instantly, uniformly, uniform uh, acceleration. It gets faster and faster, straight down through those beams, those columns, which should have uh, resisted it at least somewhat. But uh, there was uh, virtually no resistance. It accelerated at uh, two-thirds of free-fall acceleration. Yeah. Darn near free-fall acceleration. This is, as if you dropped a bowling ball off the side of the Twin Towers, the Twin Towers fell only a couple of seconds slower than that bowling ball indicating that uh, those columns had to have been removed and removed symmetrically and within a tenth of a second of each other in order to facilitate a straight-down collapse at that acceleration, almost freefall. This is the only way these buildings can be taken out like this. A classic example is over at World Trade Center 7, where we have, in fact, um, a freefall collapse uh, of a 47-story skyscraper. It wasn't hit by an airplane. It was about a football field in length away from the North Tower. And at 5.20 in the afternoon, this massive building, which had a few isolated pockets of fires here and there throughout the building, and not very large or hot fires, um, it, it begins suddenly and symmetrically, starting with the penthouse, the east penthouse falling uh, uh, five seconds before the west penthouse, uh, the main penthouse, which drops a second before the overall building, uh, the, the perimeter structure. Then it begins 
suddenly, uniformly, symmetrically straight down into its own footprint, in this case, an implosion versus the behavior of the structural towers, uh, the, the, the twin towers, which are very explosive, hurling debris up to 12 to 1,400 feet around each building. This is a, pretty much an implosion which falls almost into its own footprint in the classic manner used by controlled demolition experts to bring a building down. They cut all of the columns in segments that are broken up ready for loading and shipment. Right. And they, they, this results in usually in the near freefall acceleration of the building. In the case of Building 7, it fell at freefall for a third of its descent straight down. Um, this is, uh, this is uh, direct evidence that those columns ha were removed, again, within a tenth of a second of each other and synchronistically timed floor by floor. Because if fire had weakened any portion of this building, fire being an organic process which moves through a building every 20 minutes or so, burning up the fuel in one area and moving on, looking for fresh new fuel sources. So when a building does collapse due to fire, it will always start with large gradual deformations uh, with um, portions of the building maybe collapsing and, and, uh, and the building would always fall to the path of least resistance, not straight down through the structure. But uh, never in the history of high-rise fires have we ever had a building uh, collapse due to fire. It hasn't ever happened before 9-11. And yet on 9-11, it happens uh, three times. It happens symmetrically, and it happens at or near freefall acceleration, all of which are hallmarks of explosive controlled demolition, not of destruction by fire. So just very briefly then, uh, these were state-of-the-art buildings that were built to withstand not just an impact, but an actual collapse. Uh, that's, that's correct. In fact, NIST uh, applauds the engineering of the buildings, uh, citing that the, the, the structure did its job. It withstood the impact of the planes because they're very redundantly designed. Uh, those loads are transferred to columns which were not severed by the planes. Uh, and if it, they say, NIST, if it weren't for the fires, uh, the buildings would have remained. Uh, but uh, the fire, in the case of the South Tower, was actually going out, evidenced by thick black smoke, uh, uh, only minimal flames at the point of the time of the collapse. Um, the, 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 those, uh, that steel would have cooled, regained most of its strength, and we wouldn't have seen collapse. What we see instead, as the first responders described, is these bands of explosions wrapping all the way around the building, imploding this first part in the case of the North Tower. In the case of the South Tower, uh, this 30-story section begins to actually, after this series of explosions once again at the point of jet plane impacts, which are very visible, um, uh, to, it, it begins to fall over, and we would expect that mass to continue its angular momentum falling off the side of the building, but it doesn't do that. It, it, it begins instead uh, to right itself and to fall straight down um, into, uh, disintegrating into this large cloud of pyroclastic 
smoke with incredibly uh, hot uh, heat producing this cauliflower uh, shaped reaction in these in these clouds. The term pyroclastic comes from uh, volcanic eruptions where suspended pulverized solids are are held in the air in these hot gases. Um, this is this is much much more degree of heat than was ever uh, available in these small fires in the South Tower, and so we have asymmetrical uh, loading from this mass that was falling off the building. We have asymmetrical damage from the fires, asymmetrical damage from the airplane impacts, and yet from below what we see in the videos, and we show this very clearly on our uh, DVD, 9-11 Blueprint for Truth, it, um, it, it, these, these bands of explosions travel uniformly, symmetrically, straight down the perimeter of these buildings of this building, the South Tower, uh, in complete violation of and contradiction to what was going on up above in terms of the asymmetrical uh, forces. So uh, it's very clearly a evidence of explosive controlled demolition. Now, the official report, Richard, of how the towers collapsed, I mean, you don't accept their theory, but what does the actual official report say? Well, in the case of Building 7, the official report says there were massive fires, which there's no evidence of massive fires, uh, uh, particularly on the 12th floor, for which the evidence of the photographs show that those fires were out an hour before the collapse at 520 of Building 7. So right away, uh, we, we, don't, we don't have support for the official story, but it, it goes on to suggest that there's no evidence uh, that diesel fuel played a part, um, and there's very little, little evidence that the debris, uh, because there was diesel fuel, by the way, in the World Trade Center 7 to fuel those generators, um, but they, they, the popular mechanics used that as a main reason for the collapse of the building. They also used the, the reason of impact damage from the North Tower uh, beams and so forth, which shot out... Uh, that far and much farther. Um, that's presumably what started the fires, but NIST says that's not a contributing factor to the collapse because they cite the initiation of collapse back in the northeast corner, near the northeast corner, column 79. Uh, so uh, the, even though the fires were out an hour before in that area, according to the photographs, what they say is that these fires... Uh, caused the thermal expansion of the 50-foot-long beams connecting to the girder, which connects to column 79. And th this, uh, this, these beams uh, pushed the girder off of its seat on column 79, allowing floor 13 to collapse onto floor 12, onto 11, etc., for nine floors, leaving column 79, a massive column weighing 1,500 pounds per floor, leaving it unbraced for this nine-floor height, and then it buckles, and that's what starts the overall collapse, first vertically through the inside of the building, then laterally. But all of this uh, makes no sense for a number of reasons. First of all, these beams are fireproofed, and there was no airplane to knock off that fireproofing in this case.
case, as they alleged over in the case of the Twin Towers. So the, the beams would never have expanded. Uh, second, they're tied to the, the beams are tied to the structure, uh, to, to the composite floor decking, uh, concrete decking, uh, with shear studs. So they could never have expanded separately from the concrete. The girder, which was alleged to have been pushed off its seat on column 79, was tied with shear studs to the structure also, although NIST claims those shear studs weren't put in. There's no evidence to support that. They're always put in. And uh, even if it did push the, the girder off, it could not have pushed it off far enough to unseat it on column 79 uh, because there's a 13-inch seat there and it only pushed four inches So, or so. We have uh, a series of problems, but even if all that could have occurred, um, what we're being asked to believe is that the, the interior of Building 7 caved in, collapsed uh, in a series of structural failures of these connections that amounts to uh, uh, 400 steel connections failing per second. This is like a house of cards just tumbling. And that's what we see in their computer model. Uh, it, it, what, we, what we're seeing is a rate of failure that's astronomical, like you were spraying water on a sand castle at the beach. That's, that's how fast this is failing. Remember, this building, the overall collapse, occurs in uh, six seconds. With the internal, add a few seconds, 16 seconds, the whole building has come down, starting interior six seconds, and then uh, 10 seconds, and then another six or seven seconds for the exterior. This is astronomical. And even if that were happening, what you would see is massive deformations on the perimeter of, of Building 7. Uh, its perimeter structure would have responded to the failure of the beams inside by, by them pulling on the perimeter. But we don't see any of that deformation in the videos. It's, it progresses smoothly, straight down uniformly. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible in the, in the exact manner of a classic controlled demolition. And yet NIST's computer model even show this massive warping, which is inconsistent with the videos. <laughs> so they can't even get their computer model to support their own hypothesis. Uh, it's it's a, a pretty amazing series of illogical, contradictory uh, beliefs that we're asked to uh, succumb to here uh, with the official collapse of Building 7. Now you've mentioned there, Richard, about explosions going off. Now in the Commissioner's uh, report, there was no um, uh, detailing of explosions, but then first responders that were on the scene at the time did witness flashes of lights and again explosions going off. So um, why was this not in the Commissioner's report? Yes, there's uh, uh, hundreds of witnesses of explosions, including first responders being blown around inside the building at the uh, onset of destruction. A uh, hundred of these uh, first responders described these flashes of light and these bands of explosions. This does not make it into the 9-11 Commission report, doesn't make it into the FEMA report in May of 2002, or the final uh, reports uh, from the, from the Twin Towers uh, of NIST. Uh, it's as if the record has just been cleaned up 
it, and, and that's true for Building 7 also, where there's many reports of, of explosions bef at, at the onset of the destruction of, of these buildings. Kevin McPadden, a, a former Air Force medic, describes that it's, it's almost like he wanted to grab onto something uh, before the building came down or immediately uh, as it's coming down. Uh, he says, I know uh, an explosion when I hear it. Uh, that's Craig Bartmer who says that. He's a whistleblower from the New York Police Department. And he says there's a lot of guys talking about explosions down there. Um, and, uh, in fact, uh, there's a, there's a, a as, all, as everybody is being pulled back uh, away from Building 7 because they're expecting its uh, collapse, uh, uh, what they what they say is that it's going to it's going to explode. It's going to come down. In fact, there's po police officers moving people back, saying uh, Building Seven is going to blow up, flame and debris coming down. A mysterious construction worker walking away from Building Seven is also caught on CNN uh, television, citing uh, uh, keep, "Keep your eye on that building. It's coming down." Um, uh, how do they know? Um, well, you know, there was a story put out that there was structural weakening in the building. But that's a lot different than the building's going to blow up, uh, flame and debris coming down, and then, of course, these witnesses that hear these explosions. There's lots of other foreknowledge of Building 7 coming down. In, in, in fact, it was announced that it had already collapsed on BBC, uh, actually 20 minutes before it happened. Uh, the, the, the BBC announces the collapse of this building. Later, they, they uh, acknowledge uh, this error and, and uh, uh, cite the confusing events of the day. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that makes them psychic. Um, CNN also announced the collapse of the building actually at 11.07. Uh, they said uh, at 10.45, a fireman ran by saying, uh, a 50-story building collapsed. Uh, there's fire filling the canyon and smoke, uh, but no such thing ever happened. Um, so this leads many to speculate that the Building 7 was supposed to have come down earlier, perhaps at 1045, which would have uh, made it uh, invisible, uh, its uh, collapse, uh, because all of the debris, or the, the, the dust, and smoke from the World Trade Center towers would have obscured it. So maybe it was supposed to go off and, and, it, and it was a dud or something. So that's some speculation. So the 1,400 architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth uh, who are signed on to our petition are demanding a real investigation to get at the heart of these matters. We don't know, you know, what we do know, what we, what we can surmise is that this was some sort of an inside operation because you can't get into these buildings uh, occupied by uh, th tens of thousands of employees in the Twin Towers and set explosives without people knowing unless you had access through security. Uh, so we want an investigation of the security company. But we also want an investigation of Ace Elevator. Ace Elevator had the contract to modernize the elevators in the Twin Towers the nine months prior to 9-11. That would have given them uh, an, a cover operation uh, to set these explosives uh, in the core columns and beams, which are immediately adjacent to those elevator shafts. 
know that they were involved, but uh, we certainly believe that they should be investigated along with the security company. This is uh, documented, by the way, in, in Elevator World, uh, March 2001. And they had 85 employees, Ace Elevator, in the trade towers when the first plane hit, and they fled. This was a scandal documented by USA Today after 9-11. Uh, they fled. Uh, they should have st stayed around. They're experts in the delivery systems for these, the rescue of the victims. Uh, the firemen rely on them. Uh, so there's plenty of area for investigation here. So in your opinion then, as a uh, representative of the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, how were the Twin Towers brought down? Well, it's apparent that the evidence leads us to conclude um, that uh, uh, cutter charges, explosive charges, uh, which are nanothermite composite incendiaries in the case of the Twin Towers and probably ordinary thermite or thermite in the case of Building 7, um, uh, it, it's apparent that the evidence shows that, that the buildings behave uh, consistently with a controlled demolition, uh, that, um, that the, the, uh, the chemical evidence uh, in, in, the, in, in the molten metal and the iron microspheres and in the uh, red-gray chips uh, proves what type of, of incendiary and or explosive uh, was used. Uh, the behaviors of, of each of these buildings uh, uh, demonstrate that they're consistent with uh, uh, controlled demolition. Uh, so we, we can conclude uh, that these buildings were, in fact, uh, brought down in, in this manner. But then how did thermite become placed within the towers? I mean, where did it come from? Was it from construction by the iron workers? Um, uh, no, uh, unlikely. Uh, we wouldn't expect uh, any type of explosive to last uh, uh, 30 years or more uh, uh, in, in the, for the life of these buildings. Uh, it's, it takes dozens of uh, workers uh, months uh, to, to place these explosives. And uh, if they had access to the elevator shafts in the buildings, they would have access to the core columns and beams in those buildings and could take them out with explosives pre-planted in the months prior to 9-11, and the ACE elevator uh, contract would have given such undercover operation. Uh, so that's, uh, that's our best speculation as to how they were placed without the occupants of the building knowing. And are ACE elevators still trading as a company in the States? They went bankrupt after 9-11, and uh, I understand they've been reorganized and are operational again. We're not private investigators, so we haven't uh, uh, made those phone calls. It's, it could be a, a dangerous activity. So in your opinion, then, we do need a new investigation? Uh, clearly. Um, every architect or an engineer who looks at this material, and almost everybody else, uh, uh, agrees with us that uh, these are, are controlled demolitions. In fact, we've given 170... Uh, presentations around the world, 30 American cities and 17 foreign countries. Uh, and there's 100 to 600 people at these events. We always do a show of hands beforehand. And of those who uh, believe the official conspiracy theory uh, beforehand, uh, most 
uh, all of them end up uh, agreeing with us. They, they move off their position, uh, and uh, most of them agree with us. Some become uh, unsure. So the evidence is very clear and speaks for itself. When people have the courage to actually look at it, when they have the courage to come to one of our presentations. But why hasn't mainstream U.S. media um, asked for another investigation? Why hasn't mainstream U.S. media sort of, you know, took your evidence more seriously? Well, you're, you're, you're hitting on a very important point. Uh, this is the story of the century. Why would, not, why would some enterprising journalist uh, not want to pick up the story? Uh, many have, and uh, by the way, they've been fired or stopped and blocked uh, by their higher-ups. Who runs the six corporations that are responsible for 90% of the mainstream media? Uh, th that's a, an important question. Project censored uh, an operation in uh, uh, Sonoma, uh, based at Sonoma State College in California, um, uh, uh, has looked at this very carefully, and they've found that interconnected on the board of directors of these six corporations are the same individuals that run the oil companies, the arms industry, the banking industry, the insurance industry. All these industries uh, profited enormously from 9/11, uh, and and so we need to we need to you know look at uh, what the influence of these uh, industries are with each other, the influences of them in our government, uh, and they appear to be substantial. Uh, after all, what happened uh, you know after 9/11, we invaded two countries which already over a million people have perished. So we have a great incentive to look at the roots of how that happened, um, what prompted our invasion of those countries. It was 9-11. Well, you know, most people in, in our country uh, and around the world uh, agree that we had no business invading Iraq as a result of 9-11. There's, there's just no ties there at all. Why did we invade Afghanistan? Uh, people who have researched this have come up uh, with uh, a large number of very dark economic motives. And I'll leave it uh, to your listeners to uh, research uh, the gas uh, pipelines um, and the uh, opium uh, uh, fields uh, which have profited um, people uh, in the industries mentioned uh, enormously, according to uh, at least one book, uh, The Politics of Heroin. Uh, I forget the author's name. And how much did Larry Silverstein walk away with um, after the insurance policies paid out for the Twin Towers? Well, one would expect an insurance company to pay out uh, for a terrorist attack and that these are expensive buildings. So I don't attribute uh, any great degree of malfeasance on the fact that uh, Larry Silverstein uh, collected uh, 5.68 billion uh, uh, but it's it's very interesting research uh, he, he had only put up 125 million of his own money um, so he, he certainly did very well um, of greater interest perhaps is his public admission uh, about the collapse of building 7 um, he stated in 2002 on America Rebuilds, a PBS uh, 
program uh, that he was talking with the fire chief and there had been such terrible loss of life and they, he said uh, maybe the smartest thing to do is pull it. So they gave the order to pull and we watched the building come down. Well, what does that sound like to you? Does that sound like he, he ordered the firemen out of the building? Um, that's what he came back and suggested that he meant. Uh, no, there were no firemen in the building. Uh, they were not fighting the fires uh, actively uh, from inside the building at all. Uh, they, they were ordered out, out, out of the building uh, or not to fight the fires at all. Um, so uh, many consider that an, an admission of a controlled demolition, and one could argue those points. But uh, taken with all the other evidence, it really does add up uh, to suggest um, uh, a cohesive theory of explosive demolition. And yet NIST never seriously considered explosive demolition in Building 7 or the Twin Towers, even though every high-rise that has ever come down has been brought down by explosive controlled demolition. And in the case of Building 7, it looked exactly uh, like explosive demolition. could not even be differentiated in any manner from, from uh, an explosive uh, demolition. Uh, and no uh, high-rise has ever come down due to fire. Uh, so they, and they even acknowledged, NIST, that the only, that, that their goal was to show how uh, Building 7 came down as a result of, of fire. <laughs> and that's not how you approach a, a, a scientific problem with a scientific method. You, you look, you do your background research, you look at all the alternatives, you weigh the evidence uh, uh, against each other, which one, which sets of evidence and conclusions uh, and experimental results support uh, the, uh, which hypothesis, and then you report that uh, and, and, uh, in, a, in an unbiased, transparent manner with uh, individuals who are not um, uh, partial to the investigation, and yet the individuals doing the report for NIST were, in fact, defense contractors Many of them ha who had uh, direct um, experience and, and uh, 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 research uh, expertise in the area of nanothermite composite explosives. So it appears as if they put the wolves in charge of the hen house here, keeping the investigation away from uh, the true source of the destruction of these buildings. Well, Richard, if this was controlled demolition, as you say, then this goes beyond Al-Qaeda's and um, bin Laden's uh, abilities. So uh, who was helping them? Well, um, many suggest uh, in the 9-11 Truth Movement, which is a movement growing by millions every year as a result of this kind of evidence, which is so clear, um, many suggest that if one was going to set up 9-11 uh, as a means of uh, motivating and manipulating the American people in the Congress to uh, voting for a war, uh, a series of wars, uh, that you would not trust 19 fundamentalist hijackers, most of the pilots of whom uh, failed even Cessna's training school, flight school. Uh, and weren't capable, really, of even flying those smaller planes. You wouldn't trust them to hit 
uh, 200-foot-wide targets at 500 miles an hour when most pilots suggest that they couldn't even do that. Um, no, uh, it's most likely these planes uh, were uh, remotely controlled and guided with very sophisticated equipment that was available and installed on many of these planes at the time uh, as a means of keeping a hijacking from happening uh, and controlling the plane remotely. Uh, so uh, uh, that's that's the uh, the speculation of of uh, many in the 9/11 Truth Movement, and in fact, there's there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that's that's the case. That these were patsies um, set up, um, similar to those who believe that uh, JFK was assassinated not by uh, his alleged assassin. You know, Richard, one aspect of 9-11 that we've not looked at is the um, the Flight 77 and the terrorist attack at the uh, Pentagon. Now, there's been no CCTV footage released of any of this, has there? And, um, you know, why is that? Well, there were dozens and dozens of cameras that would show exactly what did or didn't hit the Pentagon. So all of us in the 9-11 Truth Movement uh, are crying foul about uh, the Pentagon cover-up. Uh, there, for instance, the FBI had, it had uh, uh, absconded with the tapes from the Sitco gas station and the hotel across the street, uh, which also uh, would have shown uh, what happened there. Uh, so there, there was a massive effort uh, on the part of officials to uh, 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 confiscate all, all the cameras and so forth, but uh, and, and then all they reveal after all of that is five individual frames highly doctored from one particular camera, uh, which doesn't even show um, uh, uh, what what hit the, the Pentagon. So there's this effort at obfuscating uh, what happened. Uh, and so we all want a new investigation. The truth is that nothing should have hit the Pentagon. There was an hour or more of warning after the attack on the Twin Towers, uh, and this plane wasn't tracked or, or intercepted or brought down uh, coming into the Pentagon. In fact, um, uh, uh, Norman Mineta uh, is is uh, quoted uh, in his testimony at the 9-11 Commission report under oath as stating that there was a gentleman uh, who brought into uh, information to Dick Cheney down in the basement of the White House where Norma Mineta was with him, uh, and he said, Mr. Vice President, the plane is 50 miles out. And he uh, continued this series of, of warnings to the president, that, and this is before the Pentagon uh, uh, impact and after the, the, the Twin Towers impacts. Um, and the vice president turns around and says, uh, oh, the gentleman says, do the orders still stand? And vice president turns around rapidly and says, of course the orders still stand. Uh, have you heard anything to the contrary? Uh, and so then what we know is that the plane impacted the Pentagon. Well, what were the orders? The orders could only have been to not shoot the, the plane down at the Pentagon to allow it to come through. So those are uh, among the elements that uh, most everybody in the 9-11 Truth Movement agrees relative to the Pentagon. Um, and so we all want an investigation. Uh, there is some disagreement as to what did or didn't hit the Pentagon or what the plane did or didn't do. Uh, and uh, uh, we prefer 
uh, at AE911 Truth to support a new investigation based on what we all agree on. Well, if there was a new investigation into 9-11, Richard, um, how could America structure it? Well, um, we're not experts uh, in investigations. We certainly have some prerequisites. We, it must be unimpeachable, uh, unlike the 9-11 Commission. Um, it must have, uh, 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 the testimony must be taken under oath. Immunity offered to certain individuals who, who have information so that we can get the information. Um, and the scientific method must be used as it wasn't by NIST and FEMA. Uh, the evidence, all of the evidence must be considered, including the evidence of explosives, the evidence of, of uh, chemical evidence found in the dust in the World Trade Center, nanothermite, liquid molten iron microspheres um, that were solidified, uh, the evidence of the molten metal under all, all the buildings, the evidence of the, uh, the behavior of each of these buildings and the similarity to explosive demolition. Um, so those are the elements uh, that such an investigation must, uh, uh, be, must be included in. And we, uh, beyond that, um, we fully recognize that uh, Congress, uh, which gave us the 9-11 Commission, uh, along with the Bush administration, um, uh, has to be watched very carefully because there are elements uh, apparently uh, that um, that are, don't want the truth to come out, and so maybe we have to go to an international-based investigation. We have, you know, problems anywhere we go because the the, the individuals responsible for giving us the false flag operation of 9/11 uh, are well entrenched and uh, could and would most likely um, try to uh, uh, co-opt any type of uh, independent investigation. So we've got to be on our toes. Okay, Richard, uh, we're just approaching the top of the hour now, so um, I just want to thank you for coming on, and it would be a pleasure to have you back on again in the future. Thank you so much, Kevin, and I really appreciate the opportunity, and I exhort your listeners to uh, join us in the United States. This is an international event. I'm asking everybody to get uh, active and uh, show this information to all of your colleagues, relatives, friends, associates, uh, and write government officials and media officials and do everything you can to uh, highlight uh, this issue. Uh, show our website, AE. 911truth.org to everybody that you know, every architect and engineer that you can find. To find out more information on Richard Gage, just go to ae911truth.org or visit my site, themoreshow.co.uk and look up Richard Gage under past guests. Now, don't forget, Richard's got a upcoming tour uh, with uh, venues all across the UK. Again, visit his website and my website for that. We also have a TV show which starts on Sky 201 and FreeSat 403 on the 10th of June at 6pm. So until next time, be safe.